we got done with the series on, uh, at the end of the year, we talked about um, Jesus. Then, why, what is the Holy Ghost Church? So we talked about the Holy Ghost. Then we've been talking about the Father. And a couple weeks before, um, I used Isaiah 64, 8. And we talked about that the Father is the potter, and that makes you the what? So the Father is the what? He's the creator. Uh, he gets to decide how he makes the vessels, right? And then if you weren't here last week, then you missed my wife's, one of her, uh, uh, so good. She does illustrative sermons, and they're awesome. And so don't just listen to that one. You've got to put it on YouTube and watch it. And uh, she was over here making a little clay pot or supposedly like. And so we were talking about that God is the potter, that you've got to put yourself on the potter's wheel because you're the what? And so the clay doesn't have any right to say to the potter, why did you make me this way? Right? And then we were both touched on this, and we really didn't go into it. And so this is not in my notes. You all added this lately. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 21. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 21. I want to start here, and then I'm watching the Holy Ghost do something, and it's pretty cool. But I believe that God has something for you today. And it says, if the man therefore purge himself from these, and it's talking about noble persons, uh, or good purposes, bad persons, he shall be a vessel unto honor. So I want everybody in the room to confess, I am a vessel unto honor. What does that mean? You're sanctified, right? Have you been sanctified? Have you been made holy? Hallelujah. Uh-oh. Have you been made righteous? Holy? Well, I don't feel it. I didn't talk about how you feel. I talk about what you've been made. You've been made righteous. You've been made holy. You are sanctified. What does that mean? My mamma used to say this. She, grew, she was in a church that sanctification was, they believed was a separate work. And she told me, she says, I was a sanctified a laughing. And I was like, okay, I don't understand. But anyway, I, I kind of get it now. But you're separated for God what? And meet or uh, ready or prepared for the master's use. How do you get prepared for the master's use? You got to put yourself on the potter's wheel. You got to understand, he's the creator, you're the vessel. The vessel doesn't say to the creator, why did you make me this way? You are who you are by the grace of God. And that's not to be rested, that's not to be changed today. That's not, not talking about living in sin, and God made you that way. God didn't make anyone to live in sin. God didn't make anyone to practice sin. Yes, he loves you, but he didn't make you that way. But if you feel any kind of way that's not the way God wants you, then you need to get born again. And you begin to uh, get discipled and study the word. Why? Because we're all supposed to be meat for the master's use. Everybody say this. I'm meat for the master's use. And prepared for what? Don't trail out on me. Prepared for what? Oh, praise God. So we're going to talk today. Um, and, you know, as we go into this month, um, I just, I want to talk to you about being prepared for every good work. I want to talk to you about the body of Christ today, and I want to talk to you about you today. Now, I want to tell you this, first and foremost, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So if a message comes from this pulpit and you feel condemned, that means you've invited somebody else to sit on your shoulder. Tell him to go away. Because there is no condemnation. God doesn't move through condemnation. God doesn't move through guilt. God doesn't move through shame. You've been redeemed from those things. Now, sometimes people don't know the difference between condemnation. Condemnation makes you feel bad. Oh, woe is me. I'm a worm. There you go again. I'm never going to be good enough. I understand that. That's how I felt uh, when I grew up in church. I always felt never good enough. 
But there is a difference between condemnation, which comes from you, other people, and the devil, versus conviction. The Holy Ghost still convicts today. He'll convict you as a born-again believer of sin. He won't let you just get away with it. He will try to stop you. He will convict you of that. And then when we're not doing something, we all know that God loves us. Remember we talked about if we know the Father and He loves us, then He's going to correct us. That's what Hebrews says. Praise the Lord. We all love that, don't we? Uh, Not really. But the Bible says it's grievous. You know, King James scourges us. That's never good. But why does He do it? Because He wants to produce a peaceable fruit of righteousness, right living, right doing in our lives. So if the word comes forth today and it may get and you feel like you're at the chiropractor's office and you're getting an adjustment, how many of you know after you get to some of you don't like it? I do. I like to get adjusted. My chiropractor, he knows how to snap, crackle, and pop. Hallelujah. I, if you don't like that, that's fine. But I, 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 I like it. And then the same thing with God. When you get on his table and you put yourself on the potter's wheel, even if, you know, what in Jeremiah it said, if the piece of clay, if the pot didn't, figure, didn't go well the first time, he remakes it. And that speaks of the new birth. But even in life sometimes, if you've gotten off or you're not exactly doing what what God wants you to do, say, Lord, here I am, your lump of clay. I'm going to put myself back on the potter's wheel. Reminds me of Romans chapter 12. Offer yourself a living sacrifice. Amen. And so I want to talk about this today. So let's get into it. Um, I want to talk first of all um, about Jesus being a servant. How many know Jesus, the Lamb of God, came to save us from our sin? He, when he was on the earth, he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. We see him working miracles. But this, what I'm about to talk to you about, was a big part of Jesus being our example. How many know the Bible says uh, we're supposed to be imitators of God? And Jesus is our example. And Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. So I want to look at this today. So let's look first, let's look at Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20. We're going to start here. And we're going to look uh, at this. And um, I want you to have faith to receive and let the Spirit of God talk to you. And deal with you. And adjust you if you needed it. Or this will also, to others of you, should bring you joy and expectation of what God wants to do for you. So in Matthew chapter 20, verses, um, starting at verse 25, um, it says, But Jesus called them unto him and said, You know, the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority upon them. So he first starts with, You know the heathen, you know the Gentiles, you know how it is, those who are large and in charge, they exercise authority. That's in the world how you can tell that someone's the big boss, that somebody's in charge, that somebody's important. They're the ones ordering everybody around. Okay? But it shall not be so among you. Well, who's he talking to? Well, he's talking to the apostles, but he's also talking to the church. It's, it shall not be so among you. Whoever is the great, whoever wants to be great among you, let him be your minister or let him be your servant. So I know you want to be great. Y'all. <laughs> I know you want to be great. So what does that mean? That means that you have to serve. 
And whoever shall be chief among you, let him be your, in case you didn't get it the first time, he said, if you want to be the big boss, if you want to be chief, then you've got to be a servant. Even as the son of man, watch this, came not to be ministered to, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. So this is Jesus setting the tone for the church age. This is Jesus saying, I'm your example. I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. And so we've got to watch in the last days. And that clip they gave came from Bible Institute graduation. And that was very powerful. And that was the Holy Ghost. I was having utterance in the Holy Ghost. And I'll say it to you again. We have to be very careful in the church, in the last day's church, that we take up the form of Jesus, that we look like him, we act like him, we talk like him, and we do what he would want us to do. We have to be very careful that the world's way of thinking, the world's way of doing, doesn't infiltrate into our church, into the church as a whole, and make us act like talk like and think like them so in this area Jesus said if you want to be the greatest if you want to be the most used then you have to be a servant of all everybody say I am a servant now people would say you know because uh, I've dealt with this and there's a book I'm writing on uh, about this subject but a lot of people today say well in the age of grace how many know we do live in the age of grace in the age of grace we don't serve we're children there's no serving but that is not the case you can't do good works to get more again it is by grace through faith but right after you get born again right after you get born again what happens there there are good works that are going to start coming out of you you don't do good works to get born again but every born again person ought to be doing good works amen i said you don't get born again by doing good works that is impossible that's religion you're not going to get to heaven and say, does my good works outweigh my bad works? And if the scale tips in my favor, then Peter's going to let me in the pearly gates. It just doesn't work that way. You have to be born again, your name written in the Lamb's book of life, and you got there by grace through faith. Amen? Hallelujah. Now, now, now listen, um, it's important to understand that um, the Lord wants you and I, I want you to get this by faith. I don't want you to get this and think I've got an angle here. Uh, at Cornerstone Word of Life Church, my goal is to grow you up. I think Pastor Robert said it. Our job is to mature you. And what I'm about to talk to you about will be a sign of maturity. We have to grow up. We have to lead the way. We can't stay babies and, to just, and get the sincere milk of the word. The, the last days needs grown-up people. The last days need grown-up folks. It needs grown-up. Come on, somebody's got to be the grown-up in the room. The fussing and fighting, even in the body of Christ, like little children. It's time to grow up. And it's my job to grow you up. And, and, and so uh, if you're new to the church, I'm going to be challenging you every time, even on Sunday mornings. I'm going to be challenging you. I'm not going to do it. The Word's going to challenge you. And it's going to cause you to grow. And sometimes we're going to run around the room and swing from the chandeliers. But other times we're going to sit there and say, oh, Jesus, help me. Help me out. Holy Ghost, teach me. Oh, my, that hurt. But you know what? If it comes through me, that means it first came to me. And so, praise the Lord. Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. Verse 43. 
But so, but so shall it be not among you. I just want to give you what, what Mark's account. But whoever will be great among you shall be your minister. Verse 44. And whoever of you will be the chiefest shall be the servant of all. Verse 45. Even, for even the Son of Man came not to be ministered to, but to minister and give his life a ransom for many. And then let's look at this in Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. Jesus asked this question, verse 27. For whether is greater, he that sits at the meat or he that serves? So he's asking a question. Now, I told you that, and, I've, and, and then the gospels all talk a little different about it. He said, who's the greatest in the room? The one that sits and is served or the one that serves? Because in the world, it's the one who is served that is the greatest. The CEO is served. He's the greatest. The president of the company is served. The politician is served. The, the rich one is served. But not so in the body of Christ. Not him that sits at meat, Jesus said, but I am among you that serves. Everybody say, I'm a servant. So what? Well, we're children. Yes, you're a child, but as a child of God in the kingdom of God, you're a servant of God. So don't, don't take that vocabulary out. Yes, you're, from the inheritance point, you're a child. But from uh, being born again, now you become a servant. And if you, want, uh, if you want to be used by God, you have to take the attitude that Jesus had. Is everybody good in the room today? Do you understand? Everybody say, I'm a servant. Why? Because Jesus was a servant. Philippians chapter 2, verse 7. Love this scripture. Philippians chapter 2, verse 7. But Jesus made himself of no reputation. Come on, y'all. He's the son of God. Nothing that was created was created without him. God the Father said it, Jesus made it, and the Holy Ghost manifested it. This is the, the creator, the son of God, the, the only begotten of God, and he made himself of no reputation. He took on the form of a man and the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. So, yes, he was made in the likeness of man, but even at that, he could have been saying, I'm the son of God. Do you not know who I am? Serve me. But that is not how he came. He came as a servant. Jesus is a servant, so I'm a servant. And then right before he left, you all know this account, but I want to look at it, John chapter 13. John chapter 13, verses 12 through 17. Um, I don't know if you've ever been in a foot washing ceremony. Uh, there is a Pentecostal denomination. They call it an ordinance of the church, and I don't know whether it is or not. But I've been in some natural ones, and I've been in some supernatural ones. I've been in one where I just got my feet washed, and I've been in one where God was in. And so, so it says, after he washed their feet. Now, what's the big deal about Jesus washing feet? Well, um, washing feet in those days was only reserved for servants. Because in that day, they didn't have paved roads. And so all the animals walked on the same roads that the humans walked on. And they didn't have Gucci shoes and leather shoes. They had sandals or they were barefoot. And so then when you walked from this place to that place, you picked up some stuff on the bottom and even on the tops of your feet. And it was not the good stuff. It was the other stuff. And then when you went into someone's house, now you got your dirty, nasty feet. 
and you're going into their house. And so it was the custom for the servant to sit down the person that's coming in as the guest and wash their feet. It wasn't for the master of the house. It wasn't for who, you know, it wasn't for who was putting on the dinner. It was for somebody else, someone lowly to do that. And so when Jesus, now didn't you understand this, he sat down and, and, and he said to them, don't you know what I've done to you? Verse 13, it says, you call me master and Lord and you say, well, that's who I am. Verse 14, if, you, if I then, your Lord and master, have washed your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I've done. Verse 16. Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I said to you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither is he that sent greater than he that sent him. Verse 17. If you know these things, happy you are that do them. And you remember Peter. Y'all remember Peter? He's like, you ain't touching my feet. That is beneath you. And then what did Jesus say to Peter? If I don't, if I don't, if I don't do that, then you, you, basically you're not with me. And then Peter, he always goes overboard. Thank God for Peter. He's like, well, then wash my head, wash my whole body. Right? What was Jesus' point here? You look at me as someone, because he was doing miracles. He was multiplying the bread and the fish. He was raising the dead. He, they understood, obviously, he's the son of God. And so he should be served. And he's saying, I am master, that's right and true. But I came not to be served, I came to serve. So you and I, as the church, need to take the attitude of the master. We need to take the attitude of our Lord. We need to take the attitude of our Savior and not look to be served, but to serve. Now, even around here, I appreciate it when people help me. Pastor Rhonda sometimes and I are not the best at receiving things like people want to carry our books. I can carry my own books. Open my car doors. Yeah, I appreciate it if you open her car door. I'm not very good at it. Hallelujah. Um, you know, doing things. That's good. And sometimes even when we have meetings and stuff, um, we, you know, we don't get to do it as much, but we like to serve. First of all, it reminds us, someone who people are doing for all the time, I want to do for you. And I do that in many ways. But we should never get to the big shot. We've been around people who have read their newsletters and they believe them too much. <laughs> who have seen themselves on TV and think they're all that. They put their pants on one leg at a time just like I do. And the only reason they're anything is because the Lord's anointed them. And yes, we should honor people. Don't anybody well, pastor says I don't have to honor you. I'm not talking about that. You should honor the gift. You should honor people. But as the person who is high up, whether it's in your business, whether it's in your career, wherever you're at, you shouldn't demand people honor you. People ask me all the time, well, should I call you pastor? You can call me whatever you want. Except late to dinner. Hallelujah. Uh, you can call, I mean, that's between you and God. I don't require it. Some people require it that people do that. But really, when you call people by title, in a lot of ways, it's you honoring them. But someone shouldn't expect that. Someone shouldn't demand that. It's not godly. I demand you respect me. No, respect is earned. Jesus earned their respect, but he wanted to take them back a bit, and he wanted to say, yeah, I appreciate your respect. I, res I appreciate you know who I am, but I came to serve you. I came to serve you. Are you all good with that? Yeah. 
Is that true about Jesus? And how many of the last thing he said to you? Now, if you know these things, happy are you if you what? How many know? You can't just hear it. You got to do what? Faith comes by, but faith is activated by. So now as we look at serving you and I, serving one another, you can't do it out of obligation because it won't last. You can't do it because I make you because it won't last. In other words, if I make you feel guilty to sign up for the nursery, you'll sign up, you'll go through it, but then you won't show up because your heart wasn't in it. And then we're in a worse shape than we were before. Amen. Now listen to me. So what am I, I'm not doing by doing this is trying to make you do something. I firmly believe this, and if you've been around me any amount of time, you know, I believe we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And I don't think that's too long away. I mean, you know, everybody's going to have to stand there. You're going to have to stand there on your own. You can't stand there as a couple. You're not standing there as a family. You're going to stand there individually. And he's going to ask you one question as a born-again believer. Did you do? Everybody say do. What I ask you to do. He, he's going to ask you what you did. He's going to ask you what you did. And you're going to either say, uh, well, Lord, you know, can I tell you why? And he's going to say, no. Did you do what I asked you to do? Well, I just didn't know. Again, that's an excuse because we can all find out. Y'all have the word, right? Y'all have the Holy Ghost, right? So we can all know, right? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So, so listen, everything we do, we have to do by faith. But we got to do it unto the Lord. And I'm going to show you some things here. But, but it's important that you understand that um, when we look at serving, when we look at uh, imitating the Lord, you can't do it in your own strength or your own power because it only lasts a little time. Um, you can't make somebody, somebody can't make you do it. You know, unless they're your parent and you live at home, and then you'll do what I say until you leave. Hallelujah. If it's that, that's different. But as the things of God, we need to be willing to do them, and we need to do it because we love the Lord. Amen? So Jesus was our example. So let's look at this. Let's look at um, we're called to serve. We're going to do it because the Lord said do it. Not uh, let, Let's stop here. Going too fast. What does it mean to serve the Lord? So we're going to talk about serving the Lord. What does it mean to serve the Lord? When I, think, when I say to you, do you serve the Lord? What does that mean to you? Think about it just for a second. I'm going to let you ponder it. What does it mean to serve the Lord? Well, when someone serves the Lord, I think it includes some general things. Number one, I believe you're serving the Lord because you came to church. That shows you serve the Lord. I think when you serve someone, that makes them priority number one. So I believe you are serving the Lord as you come to church. But that's only a part of it because you really should come to church so that you can grow up. So you can hear the word, the anointed word, so it'll change you so you can grow up. So that you can uh, fellowship with one another, encourage one another, um, be there for one another. Number two, I think um, giving financially is a sign of someone who serves the Lord. I don't know anyone who's just given to the Lord and to the kingdom of God who God is not their priority and he's not number one. So I believe, you know, um, serving the Lord, so coming to church, I believe um, uh, uh, giving of their finances, I believe uh, serving the Lord, uh, you know, someone who prays, someone who worships, all those things. But it, listen to me, I can't let you stop there because that is the beginning, not even the middle. 
That's just the beginning coming to church. That's just the beginning um, uh, giving finances. It's just the beginning having a prayer life. It's just the beginning. And, and around here, I want to grow you up because I want you to be the example. I want you to be able to reach people. I want you to be able to help people. And I want you to walk in the full blessings of God. Is that all right if I want you to walk in the full blessings of God? The promises of God are yes and amen to those who are in Christ Jesus. But a lot of times in our modern day church, they don't think, well, that's all on God. It's not all on God. Yet you have to use your faith. Yes, but there's also things that he's told us in the word that we must do. Everybody say, I'm a doer. Because if you're a hearer only, the Bible says you deceive yourself. So how frustrating for people, and that's why there are so many frustrated, is they hear the good word, they hear the good word, they hear the good word. But if you don't ever put the good word into practice, you will be frustrated. And you will be, Proverbs, your heart deferred will make the heart sick. In other words, you put it off into the future and you won't do it now. Everybody say, I'm a doer. So 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 8 through 11, New Living Translation. Let's look at 1 Peter, we'll start at verse, chapter 4, we'll start at verse 8 in the New Living. 1 Peter, chapter 4, 8, New Living. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. For love covers a multitude of sin. So it's talking about the love of God. How many of you got the love of God shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost? Let me ask you this. Keep that up. Don't, don't move from verse 8. Uh, how many of you know what are the two requirements Jesus put forth. How many of you know, we, you know, if you will do these two things, you'll keep the big 10. I'm not talking about the football conference. I'm talking about the 10 commandments, right? If you do these two things, y'all know those two things. What are they? To love the Lord, your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. And to, now see the first one's easier than the second one. Cause how I got to love my neighbor as yourself. Well, first of all, then you better love you in God because I have found this out. You can tell people who are mean don't usually like themselves and they don't love themselves. And so they're mean to everybody else because they're mean to themselves. So you got to get over yourself and get yourself healed because you're supposed to have the love of God in you. And so we love the Lord with all our heart, our mind, our strength, our soul, everything within us. And then we love our neighbor. And then the argument, who's your neighbor? Everybody, your neighbor. Verse 9, cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. Verse 10, God has given each one of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them. God has given each one of you. Everybody say, I have a gift. So what are you supposed to do with it? Right? Right? Well, I don't have a gift. You're wrong. Well, I'm special. No, you're not. You're not so special. The word won't work for you. Well, I'm not like everybody else. True. But he said, I have given each one of you. Everybody say, I have a gift. gift. What is it? Well, that's between you and God to figure out. Use them to do what? What's your gift for? So I look good. So people admire me. I can prophesy and rhyme. Hallelujah. So people can, you know, uh, do whatever. You know, are you with me? No. What is my gift for? It's to serve. Use them well 
So you can use them unwell. Is that a word? You can use them bad. What are you supposed to use it for? Use them well to do what? Serve one another. Not serve yourself. Serve one another. Praise the Lord. We're doing good today, right? Verse 11. Verse 11. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. So then it just gives a little small list there of things that it may be. And so um, let's look at this one. Let's look at, uh, because remember it said that we love, because I love you, because I'm supposed to love my neighbors myself. Let's look at Romans chapter 12, uh, verse, start of verse 9 in the New American Standard Bible, NASB. Let love be without hypocrisy. So we're talking about what? So if I'm going to serve you, I'm going to serve you because I love you. I have the love of God shed abroad in my heart so I can serve you with that love. Why am I doing this? A, because Jesus is my example and he gave me this example. And one of the last things he said when he left the earth was, do this, serve one another. And then we know this, that love, when you show love, how do you show love? Love is something you do, not something you just talk about. Love is shown. Love is an action, not just, uh, you know, uh, if, some, if, if someone said, now don't, uh, if, if someone said, I love you, and then slapped you upside the head, would you believe them? No, love has an action to it. And the love of God is shed abroad in our heart. And Jesus said, if you love them, you, because he loved us, he served us. And so he's saying, so he said, love, let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to that which is good. Verse 10. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Be what? That's not casual. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Uh Uh-oh. Give preference. In other words, when when you look in the mirror, say to yourself, you're not first. This is not all about you. I'm, ta- I'm looking in a mirror. This is not all about you. Everybody isn't wrong, and you're the only right person. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. In honor. Well, I thought you were supposed to honor the big dogs. I thought you were supposed to honor the important people. No, we're supposed to honor one another. What is honor? Give preference. What is honor? Esteem. What is honor? See the best in everybody. Verse 11. Hallelujah. Not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. So verse 12. Is that what? Yeah, we keep going. 12. Rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer. Verse 13. Contributing. See, all those are spiritual things, and yet he doesn't take a pause. He just adds to contributing to the needs of the saints. Practicing hospitality. So every one of us has a gift, and every one of us is different, but every one of us is to show honor and preference to one another. This is an attitude that Jesus had, and he's telling us to have this same attitude. My job is not, uh, my, my position, your position in life does not, um, and I, we're, and when 
People end up serving one another. So I'm not saying if someone tries to serve you or do something good, say, no, 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 you can't serve me, I'm going to serve you. But when someone serves you, then you ought to turn around and serve somebody else. Someone shouldn't serve someone to get them to serve back to them. In other words, I'm not doing it to you, I'm doing it unto the Lord, but we should all be serving one another. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, Galatians 6.10, the Amplified Classic. So then, as an occasion or an opportunity opens up to us, let us do good. Everybody say, I'm going to do good. To all people. Not only being useful or profitable to them, but also doing what is in their spiritual good and advantage. Be mindful to be a blessing. Be mindful to be a blessing. Especially to those who are of the household of faith who belong to God's family with you, the believers. So maybe you haven't heard this for a while. But our job as believers is to serve people, to love people, to be there for people. Now, I know you don't have time to be there for everybody, and you do need to be led of the Lord, but that is a big part of your Christian walk with God because it was Jesus' walk with God that he showed in front of us. And we're here to serve. Not to be served. Praise the Lord. Luke chapter 22, verse 26, the New Living Translation says this. But among you, it'll be different. Those who are the greatest among you will take the lower rank, and the leader should be like a servant. And so even to my deacons and to my leaders, when I teach them, one of the things is I call them our servant leaders. And servant is first. You're a leader, but you're a servant leader. And you and I give the example to lead people. Amen. So it's important to do this. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Y'all good? Can you take some more? So what do we got? Number one, Jesus is a servant. And so he came not to be served, but to serve. And then the word of God clearly tells us we are to serve one another. Now, again, there's no condemnation. I'm not teaching you to do something. I give you opportunities to do something, but I'm not teaching you so to make you do something. I want you to have faith in everything you do because only by faith in the strength of God can you really do it and do it with a right heart. We've all been there when someone has guilted us into something, and I can tell you I've been guilty of guilting people because I have a need. But just like I, and I, I gotten over this, um, I don't um, let people know when I have a financial need. I only let God know. And then God takes care of my need because of, I, because of my giving, not because of your giving. And so I've learned how to do that. But sometimes as a pastor, you get under pressure when you need something. And so as my heart before God, uh, I've gotten over pressuring you. I'm not trying to pressure you. I really do believe that everyone is accountable for their gift. The Lord gave you one. And so whether you think that you don't have anything to give somebody, number one, you're very wrong. God put something in you when you were in your mother's womb before you did anything right or wrong. And you are called to serve. It is a mark of who you are. Why? Because it's a mark of love. Because God's love served us. Jesus served us. He came here to serve. And how did he do it? Because God is love. And he's saying, you know, how do they know that we're believers? How do they know? How do you know you're born again? Well, number one is because you have a witness on the inside of you. But the other reason is because you love the brethren. 
And an obvious love of the brethren is that we serve one another. And the world will know that we are born again because we love one another and really not by our words because uh, in this case, uh, words alone won't work, but, but, but our action and our action to one another. I guarantee you when people come into our church, because it is so diverse, because it's a multi-generational, multicultural church, when they see people of all different walks and backgrounds of life serving one another and loving one another, I've heard it so many times, they're like, this is unusual. This is weird. This is heaven, y'all. This is heaven. Amen. And all I'm trying to do by the help of the Holy Ghost, by direction of the Holy Ghost, is, is take us up to another step in maturity. And because I believe we are a witness and a sign to an unbeliever, to a backslidden person when they walk through the doors of, I sense something in the room. Yes, it's the anointing, but the reason the anointing is here so strong is because we're in unity in one accord and because we love one another and because we serve one another. We're not about being served. We want to serve. It's a sign of love. Amen. So let's look at this one. Um, I'm going to skip down to uh, 1 Samuel chapter 10. This scripture, just really strong. I think I was ministering this to either the deacons or the leaders, and it just got so strong. You remember when King, when Saul became uh, um, in 1 chapter 10, verse 1, it says, Samuel took the oil, verse 1, poured on his head and kissed him and said, is it not because the Lord has anointed thee to be captain over his heritage? So he's becoming king. In verse 6, it said, the spirit of the Lord came upon him and, he, and you'll prophesy and be turned into another man. So, you know, so Samuel was the king, he was anointed and he began to prophesy. But in verse 26, I like this so much of 1 Samuel chapter 10, now 26. And Saul also went home to Geba, and there went with him a band of men whose hearts God has touched. Now listen, in order for you to do what God wants you to do, you're going to have to position yourself to say, Lord, touch my heart. Lord, direct me. Lord, guide me. And that's been my prayer for you um, over the last couple months. Is Lord, touch their heart. So in getting ready for me ministering on this, I've asked God to touch your heart. Because I firmly believe that the, and we're not going to have time to get into them today, there are rewards for serving. There are things God wants to do for you. But if you're not doing what the word of God says, you know, everybody loves Deuteronomy 28. I've been redeemed from the curse. I've been redeemed from the curse, and you have been. But it says in, verse, in, in Deuteronomy 28, if you'll hearken diligently. Hearken means more than hear. It means hear and do. And so with God, there is a, this is what I have for you. But then there's always a God side, but then there's the man side. 
And so we have to be doers of the work and doers of the word so that God can really unleash everything on you that he has for you. Listen to me. The blessings of the Lord are are so waiting for the last day's church. There's things that God wants to do for you, but he just wants to position you. He wants to get you ready. And I really firmly believe this is part of it. But first of all, you've got to let God touch your heart. It is so much better to do something after God has touched your heart instead of just doing. Well, Pastor Mark, the Lord has never told me what to do. Well, then do something. And then as you do something, my spiritual father used to say, it's very hard for God to steer a parked bus. And what he meant by that was if you're just parked, then God can't move you. But if you at least start doing something, I am a servant. I am here to serve. I am here to serve the body of Christ. Let me ask you this real quick. I talked to you about, I do believe coming to church is serving God, but it's just the beginning. I do believe giving is serving God, but it's just the beginning. I believe praying is serving God, but it's just the beginning. I believe all those things you and I do as a Christian, if someone were to say, what does it look like to serve God? That's the beginning. But the next step up is you and I serving one another serving one another. So if I were to ask you this question, if you take off going to church, if you take off money, if you take off uh, praying your personal needs or, 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 or you know, you pray or you, go, or you know how to worship, if you take those four things off, can you list me one, two, three things that you do to serve God? What are you doing to serve God? Because if the Lord is asking us to do that, then you've got to do it. Well, pastor, I can't because... I guarantee you that no matter what your condition, no matter where you're at spiritually, no matter where you're at in your life, no matter what you've got going on, God will show you somewhere to give out. I remember when I was in Bible school at Ramah, I was uh, working at McDonald's and, uh, you know, the Golden Arches. And uh, as a manager, I wasn't an accountant anymore. And when I was in Bible school, I used to, they, they said it like this one time, and you understand. Uh, it was like being hooked up to an IV of the Word. I mean, every day, five days a week, three, four hours a day, the Word, the Word, the Word, the Word. And it was in my second year, and the Lord began to deal with me. He said, you're becoming like Ezekiel, uh, a swamp water Christian, is how he said it to me. Have you ever been to the swamp? Uh, Pastor Rhonda has a house down in Florida. It was near a swamp, and I got to go on a boat ride. You know an airboat ride? Those are cool. If you've never been on one, you should go. I want to drive one, actually. But uh, she probably wouldn't ride. Hallelujah. But, I, but, but in the swamp, we saw snakes, and, man, I was the gator spotter outer. I could find a gator anywhere. I, it was so much fun. But how many of you know I don't want to go swimming in that swamp? Because there are gators in there. And I don't want to be a gator snack. I want to eat them. I don't want them eating me. They're really good, you know, fried. Hallelujah. But anyway, so that's what a, a swamp water Christian is. There's a lot of creatures. What creates a swamp? What creates a swamp? There's no outlet. Water comes in. There's nowhere to go. And it becomes a swamp. When it becomes a swamp, the creatures of the swamp come. And I believe a cure for a lot of people would be, let's get something flowing out. Let's get something flowing out. Church is not a country club where you come to be served. 
I'd like everybody to say amen, even if they believe it or not. Church is not a country club where you come to be served. Our life, and see, if we can't do it here, how are we going to do it out there? How are you going to do it on your job? This This is daily living. When you go to work, your workplace, you're looking for helping people get their answer. You're the joy when everybody else is irritated. And we all have stuff. I get it. But if you begin to walk this way, then people will gravitate towards you because they see your servant's heart and then you point them to Jesus. Trust me, I don't do this on my own. He strengthens me. He helps me. This smile, hallelujah, the, the, the windows to my soul are gleaming because someone lives on the inside. Amen. So in the middle of my busyness, I'm working 50 to 60 hours a week at a McDonald's, getting home at 1 or 2 in the morning, going to school five days a week. The Lord said to me, I want you to uh, join this outreach that goes to a certain part of Tulsa, and I want you to minister to children. Well, number one, I ain't called to no children. Number two, I ain't got no time. Number three, I don't want to. But you know what? He said do it, so I did it anyway. And I still have some of the fondest memories. And sometimes I bring this up, but his name, there was a little guy named Kevin. Lord, 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 wherever he is, whatever he's doing. kids, those children, it was in a, a, a project. They got so big in my heart. I would have quit my job and go help them every day, but that's not what the Lord asked me to do. But I had an outlet and I was doing puppet skits. Can you imagine me doing puppet skits? Acting in a play, Lord, that was a big step for me. I, I was the illustrated sermon. I was supposed to act a certain way. Dear me. That's so far out of my comfort zone. But those kids didn't care. What is it? Who's the Kevin you're supposed to run across? Who's, y'all, that was 35 years ago. And when I talk about it, his face comes up in front of me. And there was hundreds of kids. He had a little sister too. I can't remember her name. Listen, but all I'm saying is, what is it? And really, the thing is, start here. Do something. Ask God what it is, but let him touch your heart. And sometimes it's you just doing obedience. Like for me, that was just all obedience. I didn't have time. I didn't want to do it. Can I tell you, I didn't want to do it. I really didn't want to do it. I wasn't skilled for it. I'm not called to be a children's minister. Throw me some youth, I can hang. But seven and eight-year-olds are not for me. Hallelujah. I'm glad you got them, and I'm glad Deanna has them. And, but that wasn't my thing. And it's interesting. The Lord will even take you out of your comfort zone. But he did something pretty big in my heart, even concerning children's ministry. Where are we going with this? Don't be a hero only. I'll remind you one more time. There's no condemnation. 
I just want God to touch your heart. But I know what's ahead for you. It's called the judgment seat of Christ. And I know what he's asked us to do is to serve one another.